Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Certainly is. Appreciate everyone being here today as uh, Kyle has already welcomed those who are uh, virtual streaming with us. And if you're here in person with us, you're visiting with us, we are honored by your presence. Uh, means a lot to us to be together. We had hoped to be able to introduce to you this morning Armando Hernandez and Mercedes Fugate as new members, but I uh, got a text this morning, and I know they're streaming, streaming right now. Good morning, Armando and Mercedes, and he heard his eye doing some yard work last Friday, so you want to remember him in our prayers. Um, kind of made me think of a little um, decal that Gwen has on her refrigerator that says, um, housework won't kill you, but why take the chance? <laughs> That's kind of what I feel about yard work, so... Anyway, we are going to miss Armando Mercedes, but hopefully we can introduce them next week. And I know that Randy will say more about it later, but the, the uh, Bridge Group and the youth are going to be hosting a very special event this evening at 6 o'clock. So um, be thinking about that. It's really going to be kind of a neat continuation from some things we're going to be doing this morning in our service together as we worship God through prayer. So this month, every Sunday this month, individually and certainly collectively, We've been focusing on what it really means to give God the glory. Certainly, it is a blessed life when we devote ourselves to making sure that God is getting glory with how we live our lives. Collectively, we've looked at how the public reading of Scripture gives Him honor and praise. Last Sunday, we talked about singing and how God, God's heart is warmed with our singing and how that gives Him honor and glory that He deserves. This morning, we switch gears, and we're going to focus on to God be the glory in prayer, lifting up our prayers and petitions to God. F.B. Meyer, in his book, The Secret of Guidance, said, The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. And that is so true. Sadly, when praying should be something that just comes as naturally to us every day as breathing or eating or talking for some it's become kind of like that glass on the wall that says break in case of emergency it has become more or less that go-to form of communication that we associate when crisis happens in life and to be sure that is as important an opportunity and time for us to be engaged in prayer when crises do arise in our life. But it's so much more than just that. It's so much more than just reacting to the next crisis that comes up in our lives. In 1952, Albert Einstein was delivering a lecture on the campus of Princeton University. A, doctor, a doctoral student asked Dr. Einstein, what is there left in the world for original dissertation Research. With considerate thought, Einstein profoundly responded, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. The Apostle Paul simply said it this way in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. That word devote means give yourself entirely. It means an entire focus. It means not being dissuaded at all and making sure that it is an essential component of your very essence. That word is only used 10 times in the New Testament and four is in regards to prayer, devoting ourselves to prayer. 
If we want to find out what it means to live a prayer-centered life, a prayer-filled life, to see it as an untapped resource that should become more a part of our daily being, our daily living, then I would say, as you would well know, to look no farther than Jesus himself. Jesus, without a doubt, was the consummate man of prayer. Whether it be in word or by example, what I would challenge you to do, in fact, if you have time this week, is just go through the Gospel of Luke, just the Gospel of Luke, and just make note of how often Jesus is teaching about prayer, how many parables he shares about prayer, his example of prayer, Luke 5, 16, he often withdrew to lonely places to pray. But just see how often the word prayer is connected with what he said to people, with what he taught, and how he lived. And a perfect example of that is found in Luke chapter 11. I would invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 11. Just spend a few brief thoughts here. And then this just kind of sets us up and introduces us to us being devoted to God in prayer in our collective assembly this morning. In Luke chapter 11, notice in verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Seems like kind of an odd request, but we have to also remember that they had not grown up in a culture where they were accustomed to praying. They had a priest who did that or others who did that on their behalf. And so they wanted Jesus to teach them. And so he said, okay. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not in temptation. It's a brief prayer, but it kind of would go along with what Jesus had said about prayer in Matthew chapter 6 by saying, now don't think that God gets more and more interested in your prayer just because it's long. There's nothing wrong with long prayers, but to think that it has to be long before we finally get his attention, Jesus would say, no, that isn't the case at all. But then we find this parable, and it's a fascinating parable that Jesus shares about the power of prayer and about how eager God is. And I would suggest to you that this is a parable that we have misunderstood more often than not. We have been taught something about this parable that I think couldn't be further from the truth. Hey, Chris Lambert, good to see you back there. Sorry, Chris has been out of, out of pocket, but he's with us. Sorry about that. Good to see you, Chris. Then Jesus said to them, stay with me in verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You've heard that parable before. 
And I would suggest to you that unfortunately, too often what we have been taught about this parable just wear God down with persistent praying, with persistent praying. He is not going to listen. Either because he's hard of hearing or maybe he's just not interested. There's just too many other prayers being lifted up at the time. And that could not be further from the truth of what Jesus is teaching about this parable. It could not be further from the truth. In fact, just to solidify it, I read this, which I thought was interesting. Because you remember a few weeks ago I talked to you about strange scriptures that perplex the Western mind. This is kind of one of those two where if we understand something What's taking place here? We're going to understand what Jesus is really teaching about God and prayer. Listen to this. A missionary in Nazareth was teaching this parable, the one we just read, to a class of Arab Christians. He drew the traditional conclusion that it is teaching persistence in making our requests. His audience looked startled and began shaking their heads. The teacher asked what was wrong. They replied that he had placed an impossible, impossible interpretation on the story. They then went on to say that their village culture remained much the same as it had been during the ministry of Jesus. In a typical village, each family takes a turn in baking loaves of bread for the whole village, often an extended family. It is normal and expected that a family needing bread goes to the person who baked that day to satisfy their needs. The situation is intensified if one of the families has an unexpected guest come to his house. In a wider sense, he is the guest of the entire village. If the bread maker of the day should refuse to provide a loaf for the visitor, not only he, but the entire village would be disgraced. So what Jesus is saying here about God and prayer and he's, when he says, suppose you have a friend, that's where he kind of introduces it. He's really saying, can you imagine the ridiculous situation in which your friend, even in the middle of the night, would offer excuses to keep you from giving bread if you needed it? And that's what he's painting this picture. Is, can you all imagine that would be happening? And, and you're thinking that, do you think that's how God would be? How in the world could you even draw that conclusion? Because... If your mere, mere human friend would meet your needs, why would any believer assume that God would not do the same and more? Is he less kind or willing to help his children than the average human being? Now, to be fair, we're not suggesting here that repetitive prayers or persistent prayers are un unacceptable to God. I mean, like those of you who have children, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not praying for my children. I hope as a church family, there's not a day that goes by that you're not praying for this church family, that you're not praying for our missionaries, that you're not praying for our country. But what he's suggesting here is to think that we need to just continue to be persistent in our prayers because unless we do that, God would not listen. That is not what this parable is teaching at all. It's suggesting again that just as you would know that that family that's baking that bread for that day would honor the village by being right there and you wouldn't think anything less than you need to think the same about God. Jesus is just making the point that God is not reluctant to help but is always willing and ready to bless his children. So I want you to listen to this verse and to me this verse really underscores just 
how eagerly God awaits our prayers. How eagerly he awaits our prayers. Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24. Before they will call, this is God talking, before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. God is so in touch with you and your prayers and your petitions. This morning, various ones will be leading us to the throne of God in prayer. They're each going to read a verse or a series of verses. And you'll see in that verse that there's maybe a specific topic that is being mentioned that gives us ideas about what we might pray about. And they will be praying about those specific topics that are highlighted. And I would suggest to you that this is still participatory, even though one person is leading that prayer. Let's be passionate about prayer. And yes, let's even be persistent about prayer, knowing that God is always eager to hear our prayers. So we're going to begin a moment of silent prayer. There may be specific things that you're thinking about in your life, concerns that you have, prayers of thanksgiving or petitions that you might have. Just a moment of silent prayer. I'll conclude that prayer, and then we'll continue with our To God be the glory in prayer focus this morning. Let's pray. Father, as we approach your throne of grace this morning, we are grateful that you are always eager to hear our prayers. Father, help help us to... relegate it to or maybe just before a meal but to think about how we can be in communication with you on behalf of others giving you glory and giving you praise how we can focus our thoughts more on you and we're grateful father for the avenue of prayer bless us as we focus it on uh, focus on that this morning be with these individuals who will be petitioning you on our behalf help us father just to be grateful that as a family we can unite our voices in praise to you In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll read to you today uh, Philippians uh, 4, 6 from the NIV. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I think it's interesting here that... uh, when Paul penned this letter, uh, it's believed that he himself was in prison, but he's uh, leading others to not to worry, not to be anxious. Um, when you pray with thanksgiving, it involves trusting God. There are four words in this short uh, passage that describe a believer's communion with God. First, prayer describes a believer's approach to God a petition emphasizes requesting an answer to a specific need. And then thanksgiving is an attitude from the heart, which should always accompany one's prayers. Requests speak of definite and specific things asked for. Let's pray. Holy Father, um, we're thankful for so much, and we're probably, at least I'm very guilty of uh, doing a lot more asking than thanking you. But the blessings that you give to us each and every day of our lives, we thank you for your love and concern for us. 
We thank you for your forgiveness of our many sins. We give you thanks for our church family here at Oakcrest and for this great nation that we live in. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus, his sacrifice for us, and his promise of everlasting life. We ask you, Father, for your help in keeping us from getting bogged down in worry and anxious over our worldly problems. Help us to be able to take our concerns to you and then leave them there, trusting that you always have our best interest in mind. Amen. Good morning also. And I'll be reading from James uh, 5, 13 through 15a in NIV. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Uh, Not sure what to say, except that uh, uh, prayer does work. I know you ask God for certain things. Uh, believe He's going to do it. A lot of times, you know, when you ask for prayer, He uh, He's already orchestrating things to help you get better, and so He can get. Uh, works for you and works for his glory too and uh what father doesn't like spending time with his son or daughter just uh, continue to pray and and uh let's go to prayer lord prayer now father we just thank you for your love and the way you show it to each and every one of us and and uh, father just thank you so much for what you do for us and father We've got a list, uh, a long list, Father, of sick people, that's friends and family of this congregation, and Father, even without uh, this congregation, throughout the world, Father, that's got special prayer requests, Father, that uh, got certain diseases or whatever. That uh, Father, thank you so much that you're working together, and thank you, Father, for all the people praying that asking for help and father thank you for working orchestrating whatever it is that uh, help make things come together to where uh, it's healed and fixed in your time and your way uh, thank you so much again christ in my prayer amen I'll be reading from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 through 19. <clears throat> I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people 
and his incomparably great power for us who believe. You ever have a moment when you're reading scripture and you see something that wasn't there before? <laughs> uh, somebody, you know, reprinted your Bible and made it look exactly the same. Uh, when Scott gave me this scripture uh, last week, when I read it uh, again, there were two, actually this happened twice in the scripture for me. Um, but I want to say just actually three things. One of verse 17 says, I keep asking. So Scott, that goes to what you were saying earlier. Keep asking. But what caught my, the two things that came to me was, he, he, Paul says, I, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Pray for that spirit of wisdom so that we can know God better. If you want to know God, pray for wisdom. Pray for that spirit of wisdom and revelation. The other says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Not the eyes in my head, not the eyes of my brain, but the eyes of my heart may be enlightened. Not that we shouldn't use our brain, not that we shouldn't use our eyes, but if we want to fully understand that hope, the eyes of our heart need to be enlightened. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for the blessing of being able to be here together and to um, share this time together to, to talk to you, to sing to you, and to fellowship with one another. And uh, we pray right now, Father, that you give us that spirit of wisdom. You give us your spirit of wisdom and revelation. Father, we pray that you give us, I want to pray the prayer of Solomon, that you give us discernment, that you uh, would help us to not necessarily accept or reject anything out of hand, but to always go back to your scripture and to pray for wisdom and revelation and discernment so that we can know you better. And Father, we pray that we will open the eyes of our hearts so that we can be, um, we can fully understand the hope that you've, you've given us, the riches of the inheritance that we have in you. And Father, again, I just want to pray these words that Solomon gave us in Proverbs, that we trust in you with all our heart, that we don't lean on our own understanding, and that we acknowledge you in everything that we do, because we know you'll make our path straight, Father. We just pray for that wisdom, not our own understanding, that we are not wise in our own eyes, but we will fear you and that we will turn away from you. And again, Father, we ask for your wisdom. We ask for it right now. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> Good morning, church. Everyone hear me okay? Sometimes I'm a little loud, so I've got to step back, so I start back. Please join me this morning in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting with verse 1. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives and all godliness and holiness. As was said earlier, Paul wrote this while presumably in a dark, damp prison. Imagine being in prison 
imprisoned unjustly, being held for your convictions, and still writing to pray for people. Not to pray for him, but to pray for our leaders specifically. And it's interesting, not just what Paul said, but what Paul didn't say. He didn't say, Timothy, pray for the leaders that you agree with. Pray for the leaders that you like. Pray for the leaders you chose, the leaders you voted for. No. He said, pray for all of your leaders. Because Paul knew that God can work through everyone, whether they believe in him or not. So pray with me today. Father, we pray to you today with our prayers and petitions for our leaders. For the leaders of our great nation. For the leaders of our great state. For the leaders of our local districts, our councils, for the leaders of our schools, for the leaders of our sports teams, for the leader of our social groups, the leaders of our homes, and for specifically the leaders of our church as well. God, we may not always agree, we may not always like, we may not always choose them, but we know, God, that that you can touch their hearts. You can lead them to making just and fair decisions that affect all of us. So God, we just raise them up in prayer today in your holy name. Amen. Jesus said, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Seriously? Really? He's asking us to do that. I don't know the exact date this was written, but you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I think I still hear that even today. And if I'm honest, sometimes my heart says the same thing to me. This is a challenge for all of us. Let's pray, please. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for this reminder that we've had today that will continue to emphasize how important prayer is. And Father, so many times we pray for ourselves. We're so selfish like little children, what we want, what we need, what we care about. But Father, this one challenges us. To pray for those who have something against us is, is, you know, goes against our nature. Father, I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that we could learn to see others the way that you see them, regardless of their stance, regardless of their position, regardless of their relationship to us. I know, Father, that you want all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. Father, there are, there are people out there, there are nations, individuals that we categorize as our enemies because of geopolitical reasons or whatever, Father. Those enemies who differ with us and um, quite honestly are probably wrong. At least we believe them to be wrong. But Father, uh, that's beside the point. You've asked us to pray for them. So Father, I pray that you would bless them. Uh, Help us to do whatever we can to encourage them, to help them to see the light so that they too could come to the knowledge of the truth. But Father, I also know that there are some people out there that, that uh, we've made enemies, that it, it's not because of them, it's because of us. 
things we've said, things we've done, things we've represented to them, Father. I, I pray that you would bless them. Uh, bless us with an opportunity to make amends. The enemies that we've created, the enemies that um, are our own doing, Father. Let's turn our hearts away from frustration and anger and bitterness. But again, help us to open our eyes to see them and to love them exactly like you do. And if they're in the air, Father, give us the strength to reach out and help them. If we're in the air, Father, please forgive us. We pray, Father, that you would bless all of those who differ with us and change us to be more like your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture is uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 19. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. In this scripture, the Apostle Paul is reminding the church of Ephesus to prayer, uh, be alert and to keep uh, praying for all kinds of occasions, but specifically to pray for the uh, for the Lord's people there at the church, the local church at Ephesus. But he also said, remember me, pray for me in my missionary journeys as well. So today we will do just that. We'll pray for uh, all people, uh, all of the Lord's believers, but specifically we're going to pray for Oak Crest, our leaders here, the, the Lord's uh, people here, as well as all of the missionaries that uh, we are associated with. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for your word. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come to you in, in prayer. Today, we, Father, we specifically are praying for the people, uh, the Lord, your Lord's people everywhere, but specifically here for Oak Crest. Father, we thank you so much for the ministers here, and we pray specifically for Scott, for Dwight, for Jennifer, for Tina, for Tyus. Father, we, we pray uh, wisdom for them, and we pray honor for them as they lead the ministers the, the, the ministries here and father we pray for all ministry leaders as well as they uh, continue to serve you in that area father we pray that uh, you would give them wisdom in in leading their specific ministries father we pray for the shepherds here at oak crest we pray that they would have godly wisdom that uh, to lead this congregation for Danny, for Scott, for Alan, Kevin, Charles, Ted, and Bill. Father, be with them as this is a very tough thing to do. And Father, we just, we ask that uh, special blessing on each and every one of the um, ministers here, the ministry leaders, the shepherds. Father, we also pray for the missionaries that we are associated with at Oak Crest. We've been tremendously blessed with uh, being able to do that. Father, we pray for Ivan in uh, Croatia and his family, uh, for Breaking Chains in Honduras, for Courtney and Amber, uh, for Ricardo and Diana, and the Diaz family in Portugal, for Crossing Crown, for the Whitmire family, Paul, Luke, Drew, as well as uh, Ivan Gonzalez, 
Father, we know that uh, this last few years has been uh, very difficult and some doors have been closed on the ability to reach out to people, especially for the missionaries, as well as here locally. But Father, we know that uh, as doors are closed, that you open other doors. And Father, we pray that these missionaries and us locally will uh, recognize those doors that are open so that we can continue to serve and continue to reach out. Father, just a special blessing for all of these people in Christ's name. Amen. It is always good to be with you. And I think I'd be remiss in not expressing my sincere appreciation to all these individuals who have led us in these heartfelt, humble prayers this morning. I know that God has eagerly received these petitions. And certainly, as Dwight also mentioned, may that just kind of continue in our upcoming week. I know that what the Bridge Group has planned for tonight is also very prayer-centered. And I know that you are as convicted in my heart as you are that being a prayer-centered church is a church that helps us to be more like Jesus every day. Just on a side note, as you have noticed with our focus during this month and will continue next Sunday, um, it hasn't been sermon-centered. I don't really think that our collective assembly should necessarily always be sermon-centered, but um, if this kind of collective worship to God has been good for your spirit, good for your heart, helped you in drawing closer to God, then share that with one of the shepherds. Uh, we want to do all that we can to make sure that we're giving God glory, that we're doing things that would honor him. And so your thoughts, your input mean a lot to us, uh, not to grade or to critique, but just from the standpoint of helping us to make sure that we're drawing closer to one another and also to God. I would encourage you strongly to be here next Sunday. It will be a shepherd-led service as we give God the glory in communion. And if you're live streaming, if there's any way you could be with us here next week, uh, I promise it will be a blessing to you. Um, you might be looking around and noticing uh, some empty pews where you know that normally people sit. And I would encourage you to not only pray for them, to call them this week and ask them to come to be with us as we focus on giving God the glory in communion. As I had mentioned at the very beginning, Jesus taught so much about prayer, showed so much about prayer. And there's just one parable that I'll leave you with. And I'll just ask you this question as we bring our time together to a close this morning. Which prayer will it be for you? Which prayer will it be for you? To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. If you have a need this morning, 
to make things right with God, won't you come now while we stand and sing?